It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, guys. This is JD here. Uh, just really quick before we get into this episode, um, there was an issue with the audio. So kind of the middle five to six minutes of it, I had to actually cut out, unfortunately. So it just something happened and it was basically you would hear someone talk and then it'd be like 30 seconds of audio just missing and then their sentences were complete. So um, if anything feels like it's missing or kind of feels a little convoluted or jaded, that's why. Uh, So we're sorry about that. Um, It is a really good interview with Sarah, so make sure you check it out. Uh, But yeah, if there's anything at the end of it that kind of feels weird or if we miss feel like we missed something, that's why. So uh, we'll try to have Sarah back on sometime in the future again because she's amazing and she's way better at this than we are. So uh, enjoy the episode. You're Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Sharks, your home for all things Trumpy Boys. My name is JD Young and I'm joined with Eric, but we don't care about us because we have a special guest with us today. We're going to kick off our Get to Know the Enemy series and we thought there's no better person than Sarah of the Locked On Kings. How's it going, Sarah? Uh, pretty good. How are you guys doing, uh, Chompy Boys? <laughs> uh we're doing i'm i think we're doing okay uh we can't decide if the sharks are gonna be uh potential playoff contenders or if no, it's just gonna be no, another we decided they're awful they're gonna be bad. They're gonna be bad. <laughs> if you squint you can see the path to the playoffs but uh you better get a new prescription if you can squint and see the path to the playoffs. does it involve like arizona catching on fire or something like yeah i i don't (laughs) know right 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 well i mean i think i think you sort of hinted at there the the division isn't going to be great although the addition of who's coming like Colorado and Saint, or Colorado and Dallas maybe is Colorado, gonna, Dallas and no. Minnesota. So you I don't a, want any of those. damper. Yeah. I don't think Minnesota is going to be any good, but like losing Vancouver and Edmonton and Calgary and replacing them with Colorado and Dallas is going to make things a little a little rougher. But provided Doug Wilson sticks around, we don't want the Sharks anywhere near the playoffs anyway. So we yeah. That's okay. Really close. Um yeah. So, yes, we've covered the Sharks extensively as we are a Sharks podcast. So we want to know about our rivals to the south, the Kings. So, Sarah, let's kind of start off by how would you grade the the Kings offseason in which they literally signed uh, zero players? Uh, how, how, I mean, how would you grade it? I mean, I've kind of got to give it an A because they could have screwed this up and actually signed a bunch of useless guys, but they didn't. And, yes. you know, they, they did really well at the draft, which I think is important to, uh, you know, it's going to pay dividends in the future. Not quite yet, but, you know, they'll get there eventually. Aid was to sign to, or to trade for Olimata, who I, and that's all they need on defense. They just need a person back there. Uh, And they basically got him for nothing because the prospect they traded away for him has been in the ECHL and he's never really going to get a shot. So, you know, it's the only move they made. They have the cap space for it. He'll be gone by the time Mm -hmm. the Kings are good-ish, hopefully. So, you know, I I think that they did pretty well not doing anything. Uh, Yeah, so they drafted Quentin Byfield. Um, They look 
their prospect pool is one of, if not the best prospect pool in the the entire league right now. So Sarah, I mean, this year is probably going to be another down season for the Kings, but things are going to get better soon, right? Yeah, I mean, if even a fraction of the guys they have in the pipeline turn out to be like at least adequate NHL players, like they're going to look so much different and have a much more, you know, I know, I know the knock on the Kings is always like, they're old, they're slow. Like they're not playing the game the way it's played today. But uh, we don't know what that's like. <laughs> like. Right. It seems crazy. Like who, who does that? Uh, but the guys, they, like when you look at their drafts and you look at the kind of players that they have been picking up in the draft, there's kind of two qualities that they all seem to have and one is leadership like they're definitely looking to rebuild that king's culture that kind of fell apart after the cup wins and all that stuff but they're really looking for guys who are known as strong leaders and they're looking for guys who basically their main characteristic is if they don't have the puck they're going to go get it back no matter what and most of their drafts the guys that they're picking are people who that is their wheelhouse and so they're going to have a lot of like very hungry, scrappy kids soon. And I'm, you know, I, I think there's still going to be growing pains once these guys start making the jump from, you know, juniors in college to, to being pros, but it's going to be really exciting to watch, to see how they, how they all start to develop and uh, who, who they push out essentially, who mm -hmm. is uh, still on this team. Who who should they push out, but who's going to continue to get tons of ice time this year? <laughs> I mean, the obvious answer is always Dustin Brown, unfortunately for him. Uh, he has had a few better seasons, like the, the final years of the, the Sutter regime. Uh, you know, Dustin Brown was basically playing fourth line minutes and doing absolutely nothing. Uh, but, you know, as as coaches changed, they kind of found a better way to use him. and. He he's you know never going to live up to the contract they gave him, but you know he got that contract for character and all that stuff and not being an elite player. But he he's someone who I could see starting to get pushed down in the lineup again once they start getting you know these young players who can play next to Andre Kopitar and and be successful. Um, you know the, I think that there's some kind of young guys who are on the fringes of their NHLers right now, but you know. Are they easily replaceable? Yes. Like Austin mm -hmm. Wagner is fast and that's kind of about it. Uh, Trevor Moore exists. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, I, I think he has promise, but if I had to pick between him and like the Kings investing in developing Alex Turcotte, like I'm going to pick Turcotte any day. Um, you know, next year on their roster, they have Martin Verk, who, you know, has kind of proved himself last season to be a guy who can hang in the NHL. But you know, is sort of expendable and, you know, not someone who I think is going to be, he's kind of a stopgap guy for, uh, for these kind of incoming years of the kids aren't ready yet. Uh, so I feel like there's just, there's a handful of guys who, I mean, on defense, if I never saw Curtis McDermott again, I'd be okay with that. Like, <laughs> but you know, for right now he does the job he's supposed to do, which is be large and, and that's fine. But, you know, I think there's a lot of those guys who are, you know, on another team on, on the Tampa Bay Lightning, none of them would be on that team because yeah. they they have enough good elite players that, you know, their fourth line is guys who are actually good, too. Uh, so I think that 
the Kings have just needed those bodies to play for them. And it's guys like that who are going to start getting squeezed out uh, or moved out of their position. We've already seen Jeff Carter kind of get swung from center to wing because he's slowing down and not as good as, 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 a, as a center man as he was before. And I think that's the right move. Uh, and I think we'll see more of that kind of stuff of players getting pushed around as some of these young guys come in and, and really kind of come into their own. All right, guys, I want to take a quick break to talk to you guys about Built Go. Uh, so Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It uh, comes in one and a half ounce packages that are great to fit in your golf bag, your briefcase, or in your pocket to help you get you throughout the day. Uh, it's like a five-hour energy drink without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. Comes in three delicious flavors like peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. It works super well because it has great stuff in it like B3 honey and a kick of caffeine. Um, right now, if you go to builtco.com, use the promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtco.com. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked on NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked on NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So another another way that players get pushed out of the lineup is by getting traded. Is there anyone who... You know, let's say the Kings act as your typical seller at whatever the trade deadline is this coming season. Is there someone who seems very likely to get pushed out of town to a contender? Is that hard to know ahead of time? Or is there like a pretty clear, hey, this guy is not really necessary with the rebuild? You know, I think I think it's kind of hard to know ahead of time because I, I think any one of these guys could, you know, the guys who are kind of doing nothing could develop into something uh and a lot of the guys who aren't really doing anything like no contender is going to be interested in them um Mm -hmm. the the king's biggest trade ships that they have are their prospects who they're not you know they're not going to trade kale clay away they're not going to trade gabe Gabe velarde away uh so you know just looking at like experienced players who are going to be on sort of expiring contracts. Uh, they've got Alex Iafalo, who I think they wouldn't, I, I think they would take a good package to pry him out of there because he has fit in so well uh, as, as sort of a bridge player to this next generation of Kings uh, and has a pretty good chemistry with Andre Kopitar. Um, you've got guys like Trevor Moore, Mike Amadio, like they're not guys who I think are really going to move the needle much for a contender. But I think that, uh, I think Rob Blake is always going to be listening uh, to to offers that he gets, uh, they they did most of their getting rid of guys this past year and the year before, with you know Jake Muzzin and uh, Alec um, Alec Martinez and all them like and not re-signing guys like Cal Clifford and uh, Trevor Lewis like they're they're running out of guys to trade at the deadline. I mean, unless someone wants to take Jonathan Quick, which good luck. Uh, yeah, but right, but right. you know, I, I don't think there's a whole lot for them to, to do this year in terms of moving guys out. Um, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm staring at their cat friendly page. That makes sense. The other guy who like potentially fits that, like you says, I follow, but he's young enough that they might as well keep him around on the cheap contract. Adrian Kempe is pretty solid, but he's 24, so why would you get rid of him? You still need you still need mm-hmm. some some veteran players there. So yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so no trades. We got we got some old slow guys that shouldn't be in there. Um, <laughs> that's exciting. JD, were you were you uh, yeah Jones in for a question? I, uh... 
Yeah, so kind of looking at their cap friendly uh, page, they do actually have they have some projected cap space. They still have it looks like uh, they have some forward depth that they could use. Could do you think they could be in a play for maybe like a guy like Hoffman or one of these free agents who are sitting there, um, kind of sitting out there on the market waiting for the season to start, or do you think they're just going to let the young kids? Uh, try to earn those last couple spots on the team. I th- I think it's going to be letting the kids earn the last spots. Uh, there's a couple of guys who have kind of put in their dues at the AHL level. And I, I think there's a spot waiting for them uh, in the NHL, like not even, you know, not even looking at guys like Alex Tricot and Arthur Kaliev and people who, you know, haven't been in the NHL yet, but could easily surprise and make a push to be on the team i could see them extending a couple of like uh tryout offers whenever you know camps start and everything just to see maybe someone surprises them or you know just give a guy a chance to to catch on somewhere but i i really do think that this year is they're just gonna let the kids run with it and see see what happens and let them start getting a taste of, of the nhl so I, I think i think they're done unless something you know really amazing happens to you know come along uh as an opportunity i think i think this is it that yeah. makes sense i mean you look at the um i'm looking at their draft history it's kind of a good reminder that no matter how awesome we think teams like prospect pools are and how many high picks they have it still takes a while for these guys to turn into mm-hmm. NHLers. Like the the 2017 draft class is still Gabe Velarde is sitting on 10 games, uh, JD is sitting on nine games, Michael Anderson is on six games. Like these guys aren't just just because they're high picks popping in there. You have to go all the way back to the 2015 um, draft with Eric Cernak, who obviously isn't on the Kings, who has like a hundred plus games before you start to get there. Mm-hmm. So maybe like Kyle Clegg breaks in this year, Gabe Lardy keeps going sort of thing, but it's going to be a while before like even Akil Thomas and, and Turcotte and some of these other guys pop in like a meaningful role with the Kings. Yeah. Yeah. I could see a lot of them getting uh, kind of handfuls of games here and there, especially if the league does go with like expanded rosters or something, I could see mm-hmm. them, you know, giving a lot of those guys, you know, a week of games or something just because why not? But yeah, like, except for like someone like Quentin Byfield, who, uh, you know, is, is not going to be in the NHL this coming season. Uh, Rob Blake's already said the intention is for him to go back to juniors, of course, assuming there is a juniors or any sort of season for anyone, (laughs) uh, you know, but aside from, from, uh, from him, most of these guys need time to, to, really figure out the pro game and make that jump from juniors or college to, to the AHL and, and see what happens there. So it, it, there, there's still a few years off uh, from these guys making impacts, but it's, it's exciting to know that they're there (laughs) and that they're coming. Uh, Kind of shifting gears. So to your general manager, Rob Blake and uh, Tava Colton, the coach, any chance that they could potentially be on the hot seat this year, or is this a year like they know we're we're in this for the long haul? We're going to let the kids, uh, you know, we're going to try to build this the right way. Let the kids pop and you know, kind of um, try to compete in a couple of years. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the latter that this is. No one's really on the hot seat. That everyone sort of knows. Um, you know, up up to like team ownership and Luke Robitaille, like everyone knows that this is the rebuilding phase and they've started to be a little more open about that. Uh, you know, Todd McClellan has one season under his belt uh, and just, you know, the, the Kings didn't necessarily improve in the standings, but 
they played as a team cohesively, which is not something that we had really seen uh, the past couple of years. And he, he's doing a really good job of getting these young guys to buy in and getting the veteran players to buy in to, to what he's trying to accomplish there. So I think that, you know, this year, next year, probably that everyone is safe. But I think once we start seeing these young guys make the jump, and if they're still not, you know, progressing, or if the Kings are still in, in the basement, once these guys are, you know, legit NHLers, then the conversation can be revisited. But for right now, I think that they're all pretty safe. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, so here's where it gets a little funky. Um, so I'm going to kind of cut in here and let you guys know. Uh, they're talking about uh, 2019 uh, second-round pick Samuel Fajimo from Sweden. Uh, Eric loves him a lot. So Sarah and Eric, are we're going to pick up here with them talking about how much they love uh, this pick. You know, fairly, I'm not excited about that. <laughs> and the story with him is that, so he was drafted in 2019. The story with him is that the Kings wanted to draft him the year before in 2018 they did they didn't have a seventh round pick in that draft and so they had been trying to get back into the seventh round to draft him and they just couldn't swing a deal for a seventh round pick which seems impossible that's like those crazy are just, right <laughs> those are just given given out like candy so yeah. i don't really know what happened there but they they weren't able to draft him uh and so they really have not fallen to them we haven't even talked about him uh that was yeah so that I, was I the most they, absurd <laughs> just i i realize there's more to it than the kind of like Russian scare passport thing mm-hmm. issue. And, and there are certainly legitimate concerns about his, his sort of sluggishness on defense and just like general, not willing to get back there. But the dude just like, mm-hmm. you don't let a, a guy who just ripped off like 1.3 points per game in the OHL mm-hmm. sit around that long. I just, it was, that yeah. was, that was crazy to me. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about him too, as like a, a Kali truther, I guess that, <laughs> That there are like issues with him and i'm just like that doesn't make any sense yeah is he yeah do you think do you think he gets yeah he just did it again so do you think <laughs> uh they're not going to send him back to juniors at this point right or or i i think that there's i i think that they i mean he would have to make i'm looking at his birthday he'd have to make the nhl because i don't think he would be he have to be 20 to play in the ahl so What's his birthday? Oh, it's until June. June. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he might have to go back for one yeah. more year unless he makes it straight out of camp. Right. Yeah. So I feel like he he might be on my short list of like guys who get their nine games to see to see what they've gotten to see how they fit in. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's probably more likely that he goes back just because they're not going to want to bench him for you know every other game. They're going to want him playing regularly, and if he's not going to be able to do that in the NHL because he's not ready, you know. Is he going to learn anything more in juniors? I, I doubt it, but oh, right, you know, right. maybe someone will teach him defense. I don't know, but like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that that's the greatest move for his development. And he's the kind of guy who I think would be better suited for if the league ever gets their act together to kind of figure out a way to send some of these, you know, higher prospects to the AHL, despite their age. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. might be a better move for him, but. Uh, there's rules yeah. that say we can't. The Ryan Murphy quandary. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, where mm-hmm. where he's probably too good for juniors, but yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Speaking of Ryan Merkley, Akil Thomas is 
is potentially ready to get some NHL mm-hmm. time. Uh, yeah. He's he's of age, so he can play in the AHL this year full full time and not have to worry about making it straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, is he still another year away, maybe, or it, might he be a dark horse also for a couple of games at the beginning of this season? I think he also could maybe get a couple games, but I think that he probably is another year away unless, you know, he happens to really surprise. Uh, the the kind of thing that I've always noticed in his game when I've watched him play at any level is the inconsistency. Um, you know, I, I think that he really needs to learn the whole like play every shift kind of thing. Uh, and, and, you know, when you're very good in juniors, you can get away with that of only giving max effort every so often. Um, when I watched him in the uh, world, the junior summer showcase, whatever thing last season, there were games where he looked fantastic and there were games where I didn't even notice him. So I, I think that he, he kind of needs to work on that aspect, but I know he's been training really hard. He's been over in Germany playing with um, Ice Baron Berlin uh, for their kind of exhibition games as they get ready for the German league season to start. So he's at least getting some pro-ish experience and is kind of seeing firsthand already where he is maybe lacking uh, in his game. But I I think he still has a lot to work on, but is one of those prospects who, if he puts it all together, is going to be really fun. Yeah, he was was someone I was excited about in that same the same Ryan Merkley draft who the Sharks may have been able to snag. Um, of course, they don't tend to come into drafts with like more than one pick in the first few rounds. So that was sort of out the window as soon as they use their first round pick. So he he's also someone else. I just, just all these players I'm so excited that the Kings have and it like really, really it's painful. Yeah, yeah, it's like Sorry, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So. I've spent a lot of time reading and researching about draft stuff the last few years especially and so i like know who all these players are at least the guys who go early and just it's just really uh i mean i'm happy with the sharks draft class this year but it's like fun to to watch all these guys do their thing yeah. all right sarah uh, last couple ones here so the you can almost see the light at the end of the tunnel with the um uh sorry with the jonathan quick contract uh <laughs> three more years um what almost there do they have a do they have another goalie kind of lined up for when quick is because i assume he's not gonna get re-signed once that right. contract is over right uh did they they have another goalie kind of in the pipeline to take the mantle from quick yeah i think you know right now the all intentions seem to be that cal peterson is going to get the the job i think that there's enough goalies in the pipeline to put pressure on him to mm-hmm. to to keep the job but he has done well in his you know his stints in the NHL already uh whenever they traded Jack Campbell last season he was the one who got the call up and got a pretty significant number of games in that sort of back chunk of the season uh so i think that as quick sort of winds down and uh McClellan has shown no hesitation to uh you know to not play Jonathan quick. He, he, you know, has started, you know, Campbell and Peterson uh, for more games than I had honestly expected to see both of them uh, without an injury to Jonathan quick. So I I don't think that there's any, any sentimentality on McClellan's part of, I must give Jonathan quick all of these games. So I think that we'll kind of start seeing a transition to a like one, a one B system over, you know, the next year, two years, uh, 
until Quick is gone. Uh, but I, I think there's other guys in the system who could turn into something. They have Matt Villalta, who has been, you know, Ontario, the Reign have not been a good team, but so his stats look bad. But uh, I think he's developed really quickly into an, a good AHL goalie. Uh, they have Jacob Ingham, who is going pro this year, who, uh, again, like has kind of a rough background of not always being on teams that support his style of play and just not good matches all the time. But uh, he's someone who I think could be, could become something as well. So there's guys in the system who I think are going to start trying to make cases for themselves over the next couple of years. But right now, Peterson's really the only one who has, has enough experience who I would trust with taking over essentially. I was I was a little surprised they traded Jack Camel, but I guess mm-hmm. you can't really like ride with three NHL goalies yeah. on your roster, so they sort of had to get something for him mm-hmm. while they still could. Yeah, yeah, and I think and I think Peterson's out of waivers, so they knew yep. they were going to have a problem next season. So right, right, you know, that was kind of it. All right, and then what would you consider uh, this season to be a successful season in your eyes for the Kings? Um, I think successful season would be finishing slightly above where they did last year. I, I don't think, you know, I think best case scenario is maybe they make a case to be a bubble team. I'm not really expecting that, uh, mm-hmm. to, to, but I think that, you know, the, the team that we saw in the last seven games of the season, they went on a seven game winning streak before COVID killed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that team looked good. And if they had played like that all season, like we're t- we have a whole different story that we're talking about. So I-, I think that the potential is there for them to be at least much more watchable <laughs> than they have been <laughs> in the past couple of years. But I-, I-, I still think the the end result is going to be bottom of the division, especially like we said earlier with teams like Colorado and Dallas potentially joining our world for a little while. Uh, but I-, I think that, yeah, you know, a success is do they look better than last year? Are they, more successful are their players actually playing like a team uh, or is it sort of every man for himself again and that would be bad but that makes that they i'm looking at the last month of the season on evolving wild and they were evolving hockey rather they were still in the bottom 10 in terms of course you shot share at five on five but it was at least 49 percent, so mm-hmm. basically average so that that's a there's a decent argument to be made there that, that if some of the Younger guys who've played already take another step and sort of grab onto some full-time roles um, and and boost the play of the guys that they're dragging along next to them that they could maybe mm-hmm. sustain that pace for a full season and that might be all you need to get into the playoffs with a few lucky bounces here and there. So that's not that's a lot not of people crazy. have pointed out and in, in interviews I've done on my show, like I don't think it's crazy, and I, I think that like the other thing that needs to be considered is that like this year no matter like we have no idea what this year is going to look like. And this year could be a total wash for a lot of guys developmentally. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I mostly just don't want to see them regress. And and if, if no one gets better, like I, I don't know how upset I can be about that because nothing about this year is going to be normal. And, and so I think that everything kind of has to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt because just this is this is not a standard situation that anyone's going to be coming into so i i I just want to like watch their games and not fall asleep halfway through (laughs) really like that's that's honestly my measure of success like can i stay awake for the whole thing because it's at least entertaining and competitive really 
All right, that sir. Is understandable. <laughs> 30 seconds to dunk on Drew Doughty. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so you know that like Twitter meme kind of thing that's like there's two wolves inside of me and one wolf is like, you know, thirsting for blood and the other wolf just wants to read a book or something. I uh-huh. feel like Drew Doughty is like, there are two wolves inside of me. One wolf is actually a good defenseman and the other wolf just doesn't give a shit. Like, and I, I think that that's like, that's the problem with him is that when he cares, when he's like emotionally invested in the game, he's good. He's still good. But nine times out of 10, he just doesn't care. And you can see that in his play. You can see that in how slow he is to join to join the play. He hangs back way too often. Like he's just not the same guy because he's his heart's not in it. And I think for a grown adult man who's making a bajillion dollars a year, he just kind of needs to suck it up. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, so I, I think there's the potential that he could not suck, but like he needs to have a come to Jesus moment about like actually caring what's going on in the game and not just phoning it in for, you know, 75% of his shifts. So that's my Drew Daddy thoughts. All right. Sarah, you came, you've done it all. Where can people find you, your work, and anything else you want to plug? I know you also have an awesome newsletter that I uh, have actually I uh, get as well. So even though I'm not even a Kings fan, <laughs> but your writing is that good that I have to keep up. Thank you. I feel special. Uh, you can find me yeah. on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. Uh, Locked on Kings is available, of course, wherever podcasts are. Uh, on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings, I share a lot of prospect stuff and uh, weird Kings news and trivia and everything. So uh, you can find that there. And uh, the newsletter is called Line to the Throne. It's line to the throne uh, COVID and everything kind of killed any desire I had to write anything recently, but uh, I am looking into uh, looking forward to getting into my kind of prospect rankings. Uh, and since it's just me writing, then it's me that everyone can dunk on when I'm wrong about something. Uh, <laughs> but you can find that there. And uh, I make fun of the team as much as I uh, report truthful facts about them. So, you know, something for everybody. Yes. Uh, it's very good writing. I highly recommend it. Like I said, I subscribe even though uh, not even a Kings fan, but your writing is that good. So <laughs> um, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back on Friday where I think we have another interview lined up uh, that we're going to be talking prospects uh, on Friday with a special guest. Um, you can find us Me. on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Locked on Sharks. Uh, you can find Eric on Twitter at Foulball15. Kyle, who's in the middle of moving right now, you can find him at Twitter on Kyle Demetrius. JD is also on Twitter at my fry hole, just in case you're curious. Yes. Um, and yeah, come at us unless you're a Sens fan who wants to, we'll continue to dunk on you guys uh, for thinking that uh, Chris Tierney and Eric Carlson are the same player. And we will catch you guys on Friday.
Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.